You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at hopeoakville.ca. Amen, amen. I believe in the power of agreement in that regard. Welcome everyone. Nice to see you all. And uh, so glad you're here for this service. I want to start today by asking a few questions that are very relevant to the subject at hand today as well. Um, So I'm just going to do that. These are designed to prompt our thinking as we jump in as well. So here's a couple of questions for us right now. Is it biblically okay for someone to continually attend a church without actually committing to that church? Is it right to be baptized at a church without joining that church? It's a good question. Just asking these questions today. How should we view repeatedly taking the Lord's Supper at a church without formally belonging to it? If I attend church once a month, what does that say about my actual place in the church? Like just as a, as a, as a genuine question, what does that say about my place in that church? If I place hobbies or other interests at a greater priority than my church, what does that reveal about my ecclesiology? What does it reveal about the way I look at the church, is what that word means. If I choose a church based on my consumeristic desires, is that okay? Is that what it's really about? If I choose a church based on you know, preferences for myself or family, whatever it may be, is that what it's really about? It's a good question. If the church of Christ is the most important institution on earth, the most beautiful, the most powerful, the most meaningful, should not then the church of Jesus Christ have my priority, my purpose, and should it not be my place, should it not be seen as my absolute God-given privilege because of all that it entails and all that it means? These are good questions to ponder. How about one more question? Should I be a member of a local church? Okay, one more question to that too. Should I be a member of this local church? This is what we seek to ask and to answer today. Again, in a day when consumerism reigns and commitment wanes, part of this series we are designed is designed to call people back biblically to the church, and today specifically in the form of membership. And our sermon title today then is this, what about membership in the church? That's a great question. I'm glad you asked. So here's our goal for today. I want to put it on the screen for you to be as clear as we possibly can. Here's our goal for today. It's this, to communicate the biblical support for membership in a local church and why it is designed for your benefit and blessing. Say it again. We're trying today to communicate biblical support for membership in a local church and why it's designed for your benefit and your blessing. I want to say this right off the bat too. Again, this is not something we've done perfectly over the years. Looking back again, this is stuff we could definitely have improved upon. And today I want to own that. The leaders want to own that. But also different seasons and different times. And we're here today trying to bring as much clarity as we can to we believe is a critical season for the church at large and for our church here uh, right now, um, obviously. So, Let's get started then on this really important question today, which is framed with, so why church membership? Why church membership? The first answer to that question, biblically speaking, is this. Number one, it means I identify with and belong to this church. It means I identify with this church. It's a declaration that I belong to this church as well. 
Now, the Greek word that is translated church is the word ekklesia. Ekklesia literally means, in the New Testament, biblically speaking, means called out. But called out from what? Not necessarily called out from the world, but I do think called out from society. You think about it, every genuinely saved, born-again believer in Jesus Christ, they are new creations. They have been called again out of darkness to light. They have been called from the power of Satan to God. They have been called forth to proclaim the excellencies of Jesus Christ. They are now living stones being built into this holy spiritual temple again, which is the church. They are sons and daughters of the King. Every genuine believer in Jesus Christ cannot look like the rest of the world. They are called out of society to be set apart for the purposes of Jesus Christ because supernaturally they are now indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God, never to be the same again. So the church has been called out from darkness to light. They should, we should look different. Called for a specific purpose. Called with a divine passion. Called with a beautiful privilege. To be part of the ecclesia, the church, is called out together. Think already, just think. Saved in Christ. Here together, alive by the Holy Spirit, called by God, saved in Christ, joined together by the Holy Spirit. Right Right now, those truly saved in Christ, this is a supernatural gathering of the people of God. 1 Peter 2.9, for you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a people for the possession of God himself. Where else do you find that? Where else can you claim such things other than the church? A chosen race, a royal priesthood. That's why I'm wearing purple today slightly, all right? Royalty, right? We are royalty in Christ. Satan really do it for that reason, but it happens to be a benefit right now, okay? So it's good, okay? We are a people for the possession of God. And think about that then in terms of what it means to be part, again, of the church, So ecclesia means called out. It also can be translated assembly. In this sense, it's the gathering of God's people. It's a gathering of those who belong to the Lord. Again, in this sense, a congregation of believers in Jesus Christ. So we put these two meanings together from the New Testament, biblically speaking, of ecclesia, and you see this, the church then consists of those who belong to the Lord and who are gathered together on the screen for you because this is such an important statement, okay? Biblically speaking, the church consists of those who belong to the Lord and who are gathered together. So to belong to the true church then consists of a calling, community, and clarity. See, what do you mean by that? A calling from God. You are chosen, as we affirm today, as we read that catechism. You have community in Christ, set apart, again, for the fellowship of the Holy Spirit with the saints. And therefore, it brings clarity and purpose for your life. This is the church. I mean, wow. When you really understand biblically what the Lord teaches about his church and the head is Jesus Christ, it really helps renew your mind. Part of this series, loved ones, we must elevate our concept of the church. We are not a club. 
we must elevate our concept of the church in regards to how the Lord views his church. The Bible tells us the angels stand in awe. They marvel out of lives that are saved in Christ and become part of the gathered expression of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us the demons tremble in fear over the power and the reality of those set apart and saved in Christ because of the damage they do with the gospel and the Holy Spirit to the powers of darkness. The angels stand in awe, the demons tremble in fear, and often we can fall asleep in church. That's a problem, don't you agree? Like, there's something missing here. And in fact, the church has become about, let's take a survey to see what the people want. Since when? Since when? Open your Bible and let's praise Jesus Christ. Let's exalt his name. Let's sacrifice our lives for the sake of the greatest calling ever known to humanity to belong to the church of Jesus Christ. We have to elevate our concept to get in line with what the Bible teaches about the church. Speaking of that, let's get our Bibles open to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I really want you to turn there. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to look at a few verses. We'll be looking at a number of verses today. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. I hope you're there turning there with me. That would be so good. I want you to see I'm not making this stuff up. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 says, For just as, notice, notice the word body, notice the word members, notice Christ. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, Though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. This is so good. And we are all made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of that body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of a body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? Verse 20, this is good. As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So remember here, the global church, universal church, is a body, the body of Christ. It's the overarching body of Christ, but the local church is also a body, right? Or a body represented here today. In fact, Paul, in the letter to the Corinthians, is addressing a local body of believers about the body. What's also very clear here in Paul's writings here by the Holy Spirit, you have one body made up of many members. Each member of the body is to care about other members. The examples that Paul gives, that the ear cares for the eye, the foot cares for the hand, and so on. Now look now what Paul, the Holy Spirit, expands on this. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, verse 25 now. Look at verse 25. That there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another, 
If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Okay, now here's the question in terms of our topic today now, okay? How can the members care for one another if they don't know who the members are? Practically speaking, how can, let's say a family, a family that attends our church once a month. Here's my question. Who are they? Meaning like, how do we categorize that family? Are they frequent guests? Are they acquaintances? They might be here right now. They might consider themselves very connected, even committed to our church. But my question is, how can we know as leaders in the church? How do we know that? How do we know that from a once a month attendance and no other kind of connections? Or how about people who attend somewhat regularly, but they have no connection to a group in our church? There's no care from their lives to others, and there's no care from other lives to theirs. What, what category do we put that in? What is, how do we make sense of that biblically? Where does that fit in? These are, again, good questions. The New Testament teaches us that the church consists of those who belong to the Lord and are gathered together. A quote we used in week one, I want to use it again here on the screen for you. It says this, out of 114 times the word church, ecclesia, is used in the New Testament, at least 90 of them refer to specific local gatherings of believers who came together for fellowship and mission. So what we draw from this, loved ones, is that what is so clear in the New Testament, if you're going to genuinely, biblically speaking, follow Christ, you must be connected to his church in a significant and sincere way. So church membership states our commitment. A commitment to a local body of believers, commitment to the teaching and doctrine of the church, commitment to the people of the church, commitment to the ordinances, baptism and Lord's Supper together in that family of believers, commitment to the one another's in the church. It's the clearest way to say I belong to and I identify to this local expression of the body of Christ. Now remember, this just in, okay? Actually, this not just in. This has been said many, many times. We are not a perfect church. And if you agree, you can say amen because we're not. I mean, every, every week it is revealed to me again that we are not a perfect church. Every week it is revealed to me personally that I am not perfect and I'm not part of a perfect church. Let me just make sure that's abundantly clear. People are looking for the perfect church, which is awesome to me because the moment they enter into that church, the church ceases to be perfect. Right? It's just true, because none of us are perfect. I want to find the perfect church. Well, good luck with that. It's never going to happen this side of heaven. Never. So again, just to show, we're not a perfect, so many issues, man. Satan is at work. We got sin all the way. We're trying, but we're following the one who is perfect, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen, right? He's the one we seek. So just to make sure you know that I know that we know, again, we're not that. So you're looking for the perfect church, try down the street, but I don't think it's going to work very well for you, all right? So again, understand that. But memberships helps us understand it's not about, again, finding the perfect church. It's about being a part of a people of God sincerely with simplicity seeking the Lord Jesus Christ, a church that preaches the word, that exalts Jesus Christ, that loves one another, that's on mission, again, together. Membership is a powerful way to say, I identify with and I belong to that local expression. Here's the second reason why church membership, number two. It confirms who the elders are accountable for. 
That's a huge one right here. See, what do you mean by that? Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13, okay? We looked at this passage last week. I want to look at it again. So turn right in your Bible and start going, and you see 1 and 2 Thessalonians, 1 and 2 Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, okay? Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Very important for today. I really, really want you to see this. Please turn there with me. Hebrews 13, 17, just before the book of James. Thank you for being there. It's so good to learn together. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Okay, so there are two direct implications from these from this verse in terms of membership. The first implication is this. Listen, the call is for believers to submit to their leaders. That's so clear. If you look at verse 17, like how do you mistake that, right? Obey your leaders and submit to them, right? You can't, it's just, there it is. It's just so clear. Part of being part of the New Testament church is a level of submission willingly because you're excited again what God is doing in that place. But here's the question that relates to us today. If someone does not belong to a local church, how do they know which leaders they are to be in submission to? That's another good question, right? So how does, how does online church, for example, submit to local leadership? I'm just genuinely asking. I don't even know the full answer to that at this point. But that's a great question for the day. How does online church, as some people are you know, really used to now and fired up about for the long term, how does that work in terms of being in submission to and obeying leaders represented in a local church when you never actually see them? How does that work? That's a great question. If there's no formal commitment to a local church, right? If you're not formally committed to a local church through membership, then submission and, and obedience to these verses here, it just depends on the day then, right? You know what I mean by that? So like when things are good, you're like, yeah, 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 okay, I'll submit. When things are hard, uh, I'm out of here, I'm gone. When things are going well for the church, you're like, yeah, 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 I'll submit. But if, you're, if there's no formal commitment, you just come and go as you believe, do whatever you want. There's no accountability. It's like you just, you just go with the wind. Good day, I'm feeling good today, I submit. I don't feel like it today, I'm out of here, I'm gone. And that's a large part of what's happening too in our world and the church today as well. It's a good example. It's a good thing to bring up. Like how, do, how does that work biblically speaking? We are to be accountable to an expression of local leadership in a church. If we don't formally belong, then is, does that even, is that possible? How does that work? The second implication of this verse, which carries even more weight as far as I see it, is that the leaders are accountable to God for their people. You see that there? Those keeping watch over your souls as those will have to give an account. Of course, this is before God. So here's the question. Who then in the church are the elders accountable for to God? Who? How do you define that group? That's obviously very, very important to be able to define because that's massively important before God himself. The clearest answer to that question, very important question, would be that the elders of the church are accountable to those who have made a formal commitment to the church through membership. They have identified, I'm here, I belong, again, I want to be accountable, I want to be accountable to others, and again, the elders are accountable for me. So we don't believe then, we don't believe that 
um, we will give an account for the person who occasionally attends this church or is loosely associated with our church, no matter what they might think about it, again, from their perspective. Because again, how can we? How could we even know that was true? It's amazing. Sometimes you, like, seriously, you talk to people in like, different situations, different settings, and they're like, hey, you go to church? Yeah, I go to church. Oh, a church you go to? Hope Bible Church. What? That's the church I belong to. You go to Hope Bible Church? Why, what do you know? I go like once every few months. And just like, what, 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 what? Like, I'm just like, really? So, so that person considers themselves fully committed and connected to this church. And yet, and yet they're probably, you know, here once every quarter. Or sometimes it's even like, oh, I, I go Christmas and Easter. Right? There's a lot of these kind of things. Like, well, that's the, I'm totally, I'm all in, baby. I'm all in, right? And you're like, well, what? Well, not according to the Bible, right? So it's so important to get our definitions and our terms clear here as well because we need to make sure that we all understand, again, the best way that we know who we're accountable for when it comes before the Lord himself. Again, this to me is one of the best, most persuasive biblical arguments for membership. It identifies clearly and formally what? Belonging, submission, and accountability. So this verse alone should cause us pause today. It should cause us healthy pause. And just say, okay, the Bible is clear that submission to local leaders is commanded. And the Bible is clear that the leaders are accountable for the people of God in the church. So then we ask ourselves, am I living with what the Bible is so clear about? Does my life line up with the Bible is teaching about joining commitment and membership again to a local church in the body of Christ? So this is something we're asking each of you to consider seriously and prayerfully right now. Our greatest measurement of accountability for us as leaders and all that we can go by at the end of the day will be those who have formally become members of this church. It's always been this way. But it's so good to bring clarity and urgency to this. I need to say this too, okay, about this whole message about what we're talking about right now. Our greatest desire as leaders in this church is that you would be where God wants you to be. Our greatest desire. You were saved in Christ, created for good works, Ephesians 2.10. It is the will of God that you are committed to a local church where you can flourish and grow and thrive in the use of your giftedness in this one chance at life you have right now. If that's here, awesome. If that's somewhere else that preaches God's word and exalts Christ and has the gospel go forward, awesome. Okay? It's not about us becoming a bigger church. It's about you finding your place to stay there through thick and thin to honor God and persevere in what he's called you to. We invite you in today, yes, but we also primarily want you to be exactly where God would have you to be, again, for his greatest glory. I'll be very clear about that. Right now, too, the church is being sifted. COVID has been used as a season of sifting. This is the perfect time for this. We haven't always done this perfectly. Again, I made that very clear. We're trying to use as much clarity as we can right now. In a time of sifting, who's in? In a time of wandering and shuffling, who's with us? We need to know so we can care. We need to know so we can lead together. There's no time to waste. We've got to afford to get. So we're trying to say, hey, be so helpful. And again, why would you not want to make it clear? Again, are you in or out? And again, so we can love each other in the process. And this is why we're very excited about this season, this time, and this way right now. It's a time for clarity. And especially as leaders to know who we are accountable for before God. I mean, I hope you can totally understand the urgency and the 
you know, clarity of that question as well. So why church membership? Point number three, our final one is this. It increases my own accountability, care, and growth in Christ. We believe the Bible, again, teaches us that biblical membership increases accountability, care, and growth in Christ. Again, another strong argument towards church membership is the biblical command for church discipline. Church discipline. If you take a look at Matthew chapter 18 in the context of church discipline, I'll put this on the screen for you now. Look at this. This is Jesus speaking. He says this. In the context of church discipline, if the person in sin refuses to listen, tell it to the church. If he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile or a tax collector. Okay, so these are the words of Jesus. Notice here, notice the authority that Jesus is entrusting the church with here. Notice it's the church that has both the authority and the responsibility to deal with sin in the church for the promotion of holiness of the church and protection of the church as well. To the point, Jesus makes it so clear there, to the point at times followers of Christ will be removed from the church in discipline the technical term for that will be excommunicated with the hope of restoring them back to fellowship as they come to a repentance of their sin and for the health of their lives and the greater health of the body as well. But again, on this very important command, Jesus says, you tell it to the church. Obviously, that's not the global church. You know, as leaders get on Twitter and try to reach as many people across the world as possible, hey, I need you to know about this person who's in sin right now. It has to be the local church. The local expression of the church. But again, who is the local church in regards to these critical matters? Who do you tell these things to? Again, it would be best defined as the membership of the church. It would not be right to bring these matters, these very sensitive and private matters, before anyone just coming off the street as a visitor. That doesn't make any sense. It makes a lot of sense with those who are committed to the family of God coming together, who identify and belong with the local church, and the leaders of that, again, expression, to come together and to have these important, serious, again, talks to understand the protection of the church itself. Another passage that is worthy of our examination, I'm going to have you turn there again with me. It's 1 Corinthians 5. You've already been there today, so it should be an easy journey. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, please turn there with me. Some of you have yet to see this text maybe before, or maybe forgotten. It's very important. It's very serious. 1 Corinthians 5, verse 1. Look at Paul here, speaking to the church in Corinth, of course. It is actually, 1 Corinthians 5, 1. It is actually reported among you that there is sexual immorality among you, And of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans. For a man's father has his wife. And you are arrogant? Ought you not rather to mourn? Listen this. Let him who has done this be removed from among you. For though absent in body, I am present in spirit. And as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus and my spirit is present with the power of the Lord. Look at, look at the power of the gathered church. Notice, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Wow. I mean, that's intense. 
Looked out of verse 12, same chapter, verse 12. Paul says, For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside, unbelievers. Purge the evil person from among you. Again, serious stuff. So, according to this passage, we are to purge from among us those who are persistent in sin, willfully unrepentant, and are bringing destruction upon the church. Here's the question. How do you purge someone from something they don't belong to? This is where membership is great protection over the church, and it invites a discipline and a holiness of the church. So it's not a fun topic, right? It's not a fun topic, but apparently very important to Jesus and very important to the Holy Spirit as well. There's a strong implication right here in this chapter and these verses of a known membership in an expression, again, a local church in the body of Christ. Another passage that speaks to the care and growth I receive as a member. Um, Acts 20, verse 28, on the screen for you, this Paul says this, uh, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock, notice, in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Now think about it, okay? In this sense, um, careful attention to yourself and the flock. Question, who's the flock though? How do you define the flock? Who is the shepherding care directed towards, right? For example, okay, in our church, practically speaking, who and when and where do we put towards our very precious um, counseling department resources towards? Who should be the priority? We have Pastor Nathan, Pastor Grant wonderfully leading our counseling department, our, our lay team, our other counselors on staff doing such a great job, right? And have such sacrifice and giftedness and love, biblically speaking. Who do we put those resources towards? Where should the priority be? Like just anyone we don't know? I think the answer for this, again, at least as a starting point, would be obviously the flock. So who's the flock? The flock will be best defined of those who have made a commitment of membership to the church to identify and belong that they are here. So the priority of care, biblically speaking, must be to the flock. The identified flock, again, that are part of this church. Similarly, our text from last week is excellent. 1 Peter 5.2 on the screen for you. Peter says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. Again, who's the flock? Who's the flock that is among you? In verse 3 of 1 Peter 5, it says, over those in your charge. Who's, who's in your charge? So for instance, right now we have people here for the first time. Oh, he's every weekend. I'm so thankful. I'm so glad you're here. So glad you're visiting with us. So glad you're attending. You're here for the first time today. That is so awesome. So here's the question. When would that person begin to be over the charge of the elders? When do they become that? Is it after attending a month? Is it after attending six months? Well, the Bible points, it's, it's when there's a formal commitment of membership where you identify and belong with this church that allows the leaders to know that now you are under the care officially and the priority of those who are saying, yes, we're in, we're with you. We want to both be accountable. We want you to know that you're accountable for us. 
So you can see right now today, there's both a theological clarity and a practical clarity, both for the leaders of the church and the members of the church as well. Very helpful, very healthy. This is what we're seeing today right now. And I love how you're listening. Sense that. Because it's important, right? We all kind of sense that right now, especially in the season that we are in right now. So I had a few slides as we end the message here today, just way of summary and response, okay? So here's the summary of our message today. Why church membership? It means I identify with this church. First Corinthians 12, we saw, I belong to this local body. Any members, one body. It means the leaders are accountable for me. Hebrews 13, so important. I have accountability in this church. The care, the one another, Romans 12 in that regard. It means there's care for me, care for others, and growth in Christ. So what we just summarized here is what we learned today. And notice, this is the pattern of living in the New Testament. So if this isn't happening, if I don't have these things in my life, then here's what I have to wrestle down, okay? And I have to probably admit that I am living outside of the understanding and expectation of the New Testament for life in Christ. Okay, so if these things aren't happening, if this is the pattern for living in the New Testament, then I have to admit to myself I'm not in line with the expectation or the understanding of teaching for the New Testament church. And so hopefully you'll be like, well, I want to be. And we'd say amen, me too. Okay, so here's a response slide for this message today. Our response today, prayerfully consider membership at Hope Oakville. Prayerfully consider that. Here's the thing too, you might be here, we would have many people in this place, you consider yourself all in here, love the church, you've been a part of it, you're serving the church, and we just say, well, would you just make it official then? You're committed, you've been here, it's like there's no reason to hesitate, make it official for all the reasons that we said today, that'd be so helpful for you, so helpful for us. Here's a great question too, say, why would you not want to become a member? What would be the reason not to? Some of the reasons would be, I don't want to be accountable, I don't want to commit. I don't want to be under any constraints. I want to do whatever I want to do, okay? And that's what our culture says, and I would understand that in terms of cultural thinking. I don't understand that in terms of biblical teaching and understanding, right? So I think one of the main reasons, I, I don't want it. I, I don't want to do that. And then we get with it. you have to really wrestle down, you and the Holy Spirit, and you have to decide, do you want God's way or your way? Okay? That's what we're trying to do today and understand that, all right? Why would I not want to become a member? I love this. Commitment deals a great blow to consumerism. Amen. Because eh? this is where we're living right now, but what commitment does, it actually goes in the other. Swimming upstream. So beautiful. So beautiful. And then as the church is sifted, it's exactly what happens. Membership becomes beautiful. As the church is sifted, membership becomes beautiful. I think you can understand that now and what we've been teaching. It's very helpful. So again, in light of all this, then some of you are saying, okay, I'm in. I want to do this. We can go to the next slide. And you're like, what do I need to do? How, how do I do this? Well, you want to become a member of this church? There's a few things that need to happen. Number one, you have to be saved in Jesus Christ. Born again, Holy Spirit living within you, Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. For any biblical church, this must be obviously the number one requirement, that you are alive in the Lord Jesus Christ by grace through faith. Secondly, I've been baptized as a believer. This is a strong conviction for us here at this church. We believe the New Testament teaches, again, um, salvation happens, then baptism. Baptism is a symbol of the fact that you've been saved in the Lord Jesus Christ. The uh, evidence for that, biblically speaking, is overwhelming. Overwhelming. Uh, that's a hill we will die on. Okay? 
um, I've attended step one and two, or some version of that in the past, okay? We've, this has changed names slightly in the last several years, okay? But you've attended, again, the first initial steps of understanding our church, and then you're taking step three by joining in group life with the intention, and there's an intention of connectedness and serving in our church as part of the body to use your giftedness and to see, again, uh, your contribution and joy in that, we pray, that that would also be happening within your life, again, with the intention of that moving forward. So this is, this is what's, what's happening. Go to the next slide, final slide. There's an application for membership here at our church, and we get to sit down with you as leaders in our church and sit down with you and go through the application. It's very helpful. We go through the 5G life. We get to talk about your history, your story. Tell us about how you got saved. And it's a wonderful chance to get to know you, hear your heart, and a chance to be able to see you integrated. And as the application is folded, and then the process from there will continue on. Right? So there's, you can also, there's a QR code. You can, if that's helpful to you, at our connections desk immediately following this service. So you know today what we're trying to do. Like you know today what's at stake. It's a time of sifting. We need of clarity. And so I think, you know, it's on the table right now. Where are you at? Where are we at together? Where do we desire to be? And by the way, if you have questions about this message, there will be elders specifically at the connections desk following the service that you can go and have conversations with and say, what about this? I want to talk about this. And just we'd love to talk with you and engage you in that regard. Connections desk immediately following this service um, as well. So obviously, um, it's a good time. It's an important time. Somebody's very excited, right? We just, we just generally want to know for all the biblical reasons. Hey, who's in? Who's in? Who's in? We can care. We can be accountable. We can grow together. Um, we can be the best and most healthy church at this time. It's so needed. So let's just pray. Let's just pray about that right now. Father, I pray that it's been so clear by your Holy Spirit today. And I pray you are speaking to hundreds and hundreds of your people. And I pray you are giving them joy and excitement for what is to come.